Welcome back to Just Scrap Radio on BJPen.com. I'm your host, Cole Sheldon, episode 47, ahead of UFC Vegas 34. We got a, a jam-packed show for you all. We're first joined by Bryn Royval to preview his fight against Alexander Pantoja. This is a big fight for the flyweight division. Pantoja has two wins over Brandon Moreno. One was on top, so it does count on the pro record, but Royval's coming off the loss to Moreno in a fight that he dislocated his shoulder in at the end of the first round which is why the fight got stopped. But really big fight. Royvals gets – this is a guy that he says – he thinks is the da- most dangerous guy in the fly division. That's what he called him in the interview. So he's really looking forward to this fight. He knows when Pantoja puts him right in there to get a rematch with Moreno, which he thinks would be in, uh, a fight a lot of fans want to see, especially just because there's no clear-cut answer of how their uh, fight went. We're then going to be joined by Chase Sherman to preview his fight against Parker Porter. Something Chase revealed in the interview, which was really interesting, is he tore his ACL literally seconds before he walked against Andre Orlovsky. He threw a kick and warm up, and his knee just popped. And his whole mindset, he said, that's something he really has worked on the past couple months. Is, hey, sorry, he wasn't a torn, a uh, full torn ACL. It was just partial, which is why he's able to return so soon. Uh, just a small surgery he said he needed. But something that changed was his mindset, where he says he went into that fight in the locker room saying, I'm going to kill Andre Orlovsky. Right when that happened, his whole mindset changed to, I just need to survive and don't get embarrassed. He said, that's something he's worked on. He thinks that's a fight he still should have won even with the injury, but he's changed camps to Sanford, gave us a crib style thing, which Sanford, if no one's ever seen it, very nice looking gym. But we're then going to be joined by Brian Kelleher to preview his fight against Domingo Pilarte. Kind of a weird one. Kelleher's been fighting up at 45. He's been fighting well-known guys like Ricky Simone, Cody Stamen, Hunter Azure, Ode Osborne as of late. Like he's fought John Lineker, but him and Domingo were supposed to fight years ago at UFC 230. Um, the fight fell apart, so we just thought it was always inedible that it was going to happen, and now it does here. And After that, we're going to be joined by Vince Pichel to preview his fight uh, against Austin Hubbard. This is an interesting one. Vince actually uh, changed camps, went to Factory X, so he kind of talked about what kind of caused that change, and him just still not being too active. He's about a one fight a year, maybe two fights a year kind of guy. This is his first fight in 2021, first fight in about a year. He last fought Jim Miller, where he beat him on the DC Stipe 3 card, so been a while for Vince Michelle, but he says the training at Factory X has really helped them. And we close things out talking to Ramiz Brahima about his fight against Sasha Palkov. Of course, for me, his UFC debut, it's that uh, he loses to TKO to Max Griffin in a fight that his ear normally fell, almost fell off. You kind of talked about that going viral for that. Now he's kind of just looking to right his wrongs and, and really showcase that he's a true UFC welterweight contender with this one and go there, have good performance. And, and be pretty active and just start reminding people that he's here and he's not just the guy that his ear almost fell off. But really good chat with Ramiz. But I appreciate uh, the, uh, you all listening. Uh, be sure to share the show, subscribe. And again, thank you all for listening. All right, we're joined by UFC flyweight Brandon Roy Val, who's back in action here in August. Brandon, how's it going? Good, man. How you been? I'm doing well. Obviously, we haven't seen you in a while. Uh, ever since November, though, you just had a hectic 2020. Like, looking back now, like, what was that year like for you? Like, you weren't even in the UFC and you ended the year fighting in a title eliminator fight. And I know some, someone was telling me that like uh, how motivated or how motivating was like Brandon Moreno's uh, performance and all that stuff. And I was like, last year I was working a fucking full-time job, working overnight, sleeping three hours to get this thing. It's like, it's not like that. I mean, it's cool seeing him do that and see how close I am. But that being said is, uh, I don't know, man, I had a crazy, I had a crazy year and uh, a crazy, uh, crazy, uh, walk them to the UFC but that being said is is for this and and this fight uh included is just showing is that I've been a UFC caliber opponent uh I've been a UFC caliber fighter for years and uh the, the whole, I think I fought the whole entire first season of the flyweight uh ultimate so far and continuing to do that and uh 
I would have beat a lot of those guys uh, when I was 21 or 22 or whatever the or whatever the age was of when uh, when they first came out. Is I, I was ready to be there then. I just didn't have the opportunity some of these guys had. Uh, I went years and years without fights, and uh, a lot of my fights are at 45 and 35 because I had no fights or opportunities at 25. So, like I said, I think that uh, the, all, all that shows is that I, I should have been making this money. I, I should have been one of the top dogs at flyweight, and uh, I've been one of the best around for a long time. So. I'm in the Moreno fight, your shoulder obviously popped out. I know Mark Montoya popped it back in. Like, did you need surgery or is it all rehab? And is it like all 100% good now? I 100% needed surgery. I got surgery, got reconstructive surgery done. And uh, yeah, I needed that. So uh, I was really happy I got that done. And uh, as you've seen in the Moreno fight, that shoulder came out doing nothing. I was, I, I went like, I think I went like this. And when I missed, it went out forward. That's what the doctor's trying to explain is that it went out forward like that. And that's where the issues were. And it, for it to come out something so minor just shows how bad I needed that surgery before. And then to see Mark Montoya push a doctor out of the way and then pop it in like a goddamn professional, it just shows that uh, I was struggling for a minute. So uh, I'm glad I can get that done. And Moreno, uh, Moreno uh, fought Figgy, and then they had this amazing fight. And I think everything that worked out worked out the best for the flyweight division and for everything. I think I needed the surgery done and. Uh, that fight needed to happen, man. Moreno became a superstar, and uh, he's what the flyweight division kind of needed in the long run. So it's awesome. Did you know your shoulder was like already injured going into that fight, or like was that something that it you, so for me, you for figured me, out afterwards? For me, this is gonna be the first time I ever had like a training camp in the UFC so far. I've been hurt for a minute. I've been uh, battling, uh, battling some injuries, battling some shit, and uh, kind of just, just getting by on cardio and just old skills, you know what I'm saying? Which goes to further my point on I've been a UFC caliber opponent for a long time. I've been fighting the top 10 in the world without any training camps, without anything, and uh, one hand virtually. So uh, the fact that I can go in there and get this done and then also make a name for myself and not lose stock is uh, is a blessing, man. It really is. Hey, Alexander Pantoja, like, I thought this was kind of the fight to make. Like, were you surprised or did you kind of think this was going to be your opponent? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like for me, like I didn't want to take any steps back, and like if I don't want to take any steps back, it's either Alexander Pantoja or uh, Askar Askarov. And uh, um, I think I think Alexander Pantoja is the more dangerous opponent. And that being said, is like Askar Askarov. I know won his fight between then, but Askar Askarov doesn't scare me. You know, As, there's no like when I if I fight Askar Askarov, it's not like I'm worried about getting knocked out or finished. It's I'm worried about getting wrestle fucked for uh, 15 minutes. But Pantoja, I think the Besides me, I think it's the second scariest flyweight in the division. I have a uh, uh, me and him both have a finisher's mentality. He has a lot of finishes. He tries to knock motherfuckers dead, and he uh, goes for submissions. And uh, as far as that is, that'll get you out of bed every fucking time. That that uh motivates me. And that being said, is I think this is the hardest this is the hardest flyweight fight that there is. And uh, I think we're the two scariest flyweight fighters there is right now. Yeah, it's a good. You look at the people that have beat Pantoja. It's Askarov, Figueredo, and then Dustin Ortiz. But I think if they were to fight again, I think Pantoja would win that one. And this is a guy that beat Brandon Moreno twice. Like he is. Like, do you think a win here kind of it gets you that title shot? Because anyone that beats Pantoja kind of is either as a former champion or fought for the belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's it's not that I think that it gets me a title shot. I think um, what happens with the Asker Askarov uh, Perez fight um, kind of depends. Because it makes sense. Astro Astro like 12 and 1 or so, like 12 and 1 or whatever he, uh, 12 0 and 1 or whatever the fuck we're trying to pretend that Brandon Moreno didn't beat him. But uh, 
it, it's it's just those things that it's like uh if i go out there and i finish ask or if i go out there and i finish pantoja then it's like i don't think anybody's that excited about seeing ask ask fight at all like i don't think maybe a couple of Russians want to see him wrestle and stuff but as far as that goes uh, uh i think everybody wants to see me and brandon moreno fight again that's the fucking fight to make if they're not gonna make figging brandon moreno are, uh, if they're not doing any of that, then give me Brandon Moreno. That's the fucking, that's the fire fight. That's what everybody wants to see. And like, there's unfinished business there. Like I wasn't getting my ass whooped. Like I, I, it was, it was a close first round. I would give him the edge for sure. Cause he had a lot of back control. But that being said is I wasn't out of that fight. And I ended that when my shoulder popped out on top of, on top of the scramble, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think there's a lot of unfinished business there, but that being said is I have the hardest fight in the flyweight division in front of me. And uh, that's priority. And to me, uh, if I fly past Pantoja, that's the hardest fight I'm going to have. And uh, I think Moreno would make sense after that. And especially if I get a finish or, and finish him impressively. Uh, something that kind of stood out to me is I'm going back to our past conversation. Like I remember you saying this, but it just kind of clicked again is you've never had a full training camp. Like all your fights I remember have been what, two, three weeks notice. So what's it like to actually have oh, a couple okay. months to prepare? Just to add this on, but I've been training for a minute. Is, yeah. So I, I got surgery on January 7th. And it's a six month recovery. So the doctor approved me like a, maybe a couple weeks ago. Like I'm, I barely been proved to start training, man. Uh, but that being said, I don't take a step back. I, I find ways to get better while I was injured the whole entire time. And we were working the whole entire time. So it's not like I ever lost any skill. It's just how to improve differently and how to uh, add different skills and all that to my game. But that being said, is like you think about uh, the Kai the Car France fight, I was hurt that whole entire training camp. I took the Tim Elliott fight in a week notice. Uh, and then that Brandon Moreno fight is I got back from Abu Dhabi and fought two weeks later. You know what I'm saying? Because I was in Abu Dhabi for like a month after my fight, uh, cornering all my teammates. So it's like I fought top, all the top 10 fighters in the world without a training camp at all. And uh, I'm, I'm showing my worth and I'm proving, I'm proving that I'm out there to go, uh, to go make a statement. You know what I'm saying? And I'm looking for the finishes and I'm doing, I'm doing what I need to do as a fighter. As, as long as like, as far as like me as a fan, that's what I want to see. I want to see a fighter that goes out there and finishes, not trying to win these rounds and get away with decisions and shit. I want to see a motherfucker that... I don't know, just finishes or like finishes people and look for a finish and just trying to be a killer. You know, I'm not looking for anybody trying to edge out rounds over here. So do you think people are starting to fully realize how good you are? Do you think there's still a lot of people overlooking you? I mean, I have a lot of losses, but that being said is I have a lot of losses just being wrestled and nullified. It's not like I was ever in any danger. I think the the only finish that I've ever had was that Brandon Moreno when I uh, dislocated my shoulder. But uh, other than that, like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It, it, it is what it is. Like, like I said, I, but uh, to me, I just it just shows that people can nullify me. You can last 15 minutes, but you're never going to fucking finish me. And the only person that uh, I think that even has that mentality that I do is Alejandro Pantoja. And that's why it's going to be a great fight, you know? Is there kind of pressure for you to go out there and finish Pantoja? Because I think if you finish him, no matter what happens in the Asker of Perez fight, I think you could put a real good case that you get the next shot. Absolutely. And uh, I'm putting that pressure on myself. I don't want anything but a finish out there. I'm not trying to go and win these decisions and have these questions in my head that I'm like, fuck, well, if it was a fight to the death, would I have won or would I have lost? I'm not trying to have those questions uh, put there. I want to go out there and I want to. Uh, I, I lost your sound there for a bit. Here, give me one. Sorry. Well, Do you have me yet? Yeah, I got you now. Okay, let me turn this shit all right, cool. All right. Um, but yeah, to, to me, it's just, I got to go in there and make a statement. I want to finish him just because that's who I am. And, but, uh, but that being said is I think a finish over Pantoja says it all, man. I think a finish over that guy just shows that I'm the deadliest flyweight fighter there is right now. 
what's kind of training been like? Because whenever I talk to like Alexander Hernandez, he always brings you up as someone that he likes to work with quite a bit. Like Mark Montoya, one of the smartest like minds in the game. Like what's kind of being like there and having like being there now in this UFC and not have to worry about a job either. Like you're full time there. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, like the only thing that's changed as far as not having a job is I just get to sleep. Uh, I was always training. I was, I never took time away from the gym. I sacrificed sleep, and that's really all that there was to it. So, I don't know. My sleep's still pretty. My sleep schedule's really fucked up, honestly. Like, I, I can hardly stay uh, asleep in four hours. But uh, I spent years working that shift trying to make it to the UFC, man. So, uh, I'm glad the sacrifice paid off. But uh, I'm I'm five nine. I'm five nine. Five like I'm I'm five nine. I'm tall, flyweight. So I get to work with one fifty fivers, one forty fivers. For the most part, I'm working with guys upper weight class. So. Uh, that being said, is I do get to work with Alex Hernandez. I do get to work with Yusef Salal and like all the 35ers. We have a we have such a stacked room of 35ers and 45ers. Um, that and we have like a lot of 55ers now too, which is crazy. But yeah, I get I get to work with all of them. And I look for the harder rounds. And that being said, as it goes upper weight classes is where I'm gonna get a little bit more struggle and all that stuff. And uh, I think for for right now, I'm a, I'm one of the more veteran flyweight fighters. Most of our flyweights are coming up, like one to know pros and about to make their pro debuts and all that stuff. And uh, so so for the most part, I get in with a, a lot of the 35ers, 45ers, and 55ers. So I'm blessed in that way. And I think as a flyweight, I think that's how you get good is you challenge yourself against the bigger guys. And that means the technical aspect part of it needs to come out new and all that. And like I said, I'm long enough where I'm still a good look for a lot of these guys too. You get your hand raised here. Like, have you thought of the kind of next steps? Because it's kind of a log jam up at the top fly. Like, would you be opposed to taking another fight are you going to kind of hold out for that title shot i mean i definitely want to i definitely just want to take whatever's going to get me there man i uh i've been uh nullified for the last like eight months nine months so uh the the if i can go in and just get anybody like go walk through pantoja i would love figgy or i'd like uh moreno next that's my two matchups i want uh i think would be the best one for me and the best for the flyweight division too man i think those are the coolest fights to make i think those are the best fights to make and i think those are going to be what uh elevates the flyweight division and also gets my name out there i'm trying to make names off these guys uh i have a lot of catching up to do man i've only been in the ufc for a year so it's like i'm trying to make a, i'm trying to make a career out of this i'm trying to get in and get out man uh i've been doing this sport for a long time i'm not looking to do this for the next 10 years for sure so it's i want to get in and make a name for myself and get the fuck out of there with the, with all my brain cells intact well, what do you make of the state of the flyweight division right now because obviously i have morena who's become this like big star to come to camp like the figurado oscar i was there like cody garbrandt's dropping down like i know he's has a fight coming up soon in flyway so like what's your kind of thoughts on the whole flyway division wait wait cody garbrandt has a fight at flyway what did i miss out on well i'll, I'll tell you after I, I it's not like officially done dang man all right cool yeah well i want that matchup too then well we'll throw that cody garbrandt out in in that name of bags that i want as far as a future matchups that i think uh elevate the flyway division and get my name out there but uh, I think that I think it's exciting. I think it's as good as it's ever been. Uh, the flyweight division. I mean, like I looked up to a lot of the the older flyweights that were like the division before, and it's like hard to think that we've caught up to them or I'm better than like uh, uh, Mighty Mouse or um, uh, a, a John Dotson, for example. Like those two guys are like to me are like the elite of the elite and as great as the flyweights are going to be. But that being said, is I think we have the uh, uh, Mick Maynard's done a great job at drafting like the most exciting finishing flyweights there are, you know what I'm saying? And to elevate the division, I think that the the flyweights are always the show to watch. I think we're all looking at, we're fighting for our job in there for the most part. So I, I think there, anytime there's a flyweight fight uh, in the men's division, 
these guys are bringing it. So uh, I, I just want to be a part of that. And I'm glad I'm one of the more exciting fighters in the division of full of exciting fighters right now. A, a bit disappointed. You're just on a fight night card and not in front of the fans on a pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really disappointed with that. Actually. I want to, I want to be like, I, I don't give a shot. Like I, as far as of right now, I think I'm the co-main event and it's like, I don't want that, man. I want to, I want to be down on like the middle part of a card and I want to be like, I want to elevate my name. I'm trying to get name. I want to see people watch this fight. And, uh, I don't necessarily know how to go about that without being a brash asshole or whatever it is, you know, and that's not really me. So it's just like, I don't know. I, I needed people to see this fight and I need to have like a homecoming with this because Alejandro Pantoja is the perfect opponent to have like a, a great matchup and a great, uh, to go make an extra 50 G's man, honestly, and just make a name off myself and to make a name off him and, you know, just try to elevate my career in general. But it's like, I need eyes on that fucking card badge for that to happen, you know? All right, well, Brandon, I appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate you too. All right, we're joined by UFC heavyweight Chase Sherman, who's back in action here pretty soon. Chase, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. How you doing? Heading to uh, practice number two today. I'm running late as usual. Yeah. Can you hear me? Um, yeah, uh, obviously you're just uh, rebooking the Parker Porter fight after you lost to Orlovsky. Like, do you think this was this the fight you thought would be next? Um, that's the one we asked for, you know. Like, just go ahead and um, give us that, that fight because um, that's what we've trained with before. And then, obviously um, – I felt like I deserved it because I kind of took that uh, Orlowski fight like on a, on a week's notice. So, um, yeah, and uh, we got the we got the fight and we got the fight um, kind of fit in that window that I needed it to happen. So it was good. What do you take away from your last fight against Orlowski? Man, so much happened leading up to that fight. Um, that fight was like a biggest blessing for me at the time, though. I was just kind of devastated by the, um, the way the, the uh, events leading up to that fight uh, transpired. And um, But now I see, like, what a blessing it was because, man, you know, I was dealing with injuries the whole time. My coach talked loud. My coach got um, – COVID, he couldn't come, and then my opponent got changed, and then I was um, dealing with a, a knee injury the, the entire camp, and then um, uh, five minutes before walking out, the, literally the fight before mine, I um, I had uh, just planted to go take a, a, a to just throw a, a kick on the pads, warming up in the back, man, and then popped on my knee and something just snapped again and it was uh it was, it was stuck you know what I mean I couldn't even walk on or extend it and next thing you know they come in the back and they're like you're up and I'm like what the fuck you know what am I gonna do you know what I mean and so at that point you know I kind of had convinced myself uh, my mental state of mind went from I'm gonna run through Andre Olowski I'm gonna destroy this man to just don't get fucking embarrassed. You know what I mean? Because I literally couldn't even walk. And um, 
and and from that, um, what I learned was um, what I learned was that I'm not as mentally strong as as I need to be, and uh, because you go back and watch that fight, and it was a really really close fight, and I actually almost finished him in the first round, mm -hmm. and so. Um, I could sit back and make excuses all day about how I had a torn ligament in my knee, which I did. But we got to be honest with the fact that maybe if I was a little bit more uh, mentally tough, then um, I could have done what I had to do to get that win. But because of that, I was already convinced myself that I was going to lose the fight because I couldn't even walk. You know what I mean? And so once that I had already set in, you know, even though I was winning the fight in the first round going in, it didn't matter. And so from that point on, I, you know, I had a, had a long road ahead of me. I knew that um, I was going to have to uh, have surgery and I was going to be stuck at the house, you know, by myself and having to think about these things. And, and so um, at that point, that's when kind of like, you know, a lot of things uh, changed in my life. And I started going down the, the path of, uh, you know, getting my mental right and just having, you know, more mental clarity, more being more, um, you know, conscious and mindful about who I am. And then just, you know, started doing all these things to get uh, everything going up here, like, you know, meditating and reading and writing and, and doing all the things that, you know, keep you, keep you strong and mentally healthy and, and out of your own and keep you out of your own way because, it's such a mental game, man. It really is. It's more mental than anything. It's always you versus you. And that's been my biggest problem in my career is, uh, is um, what's going on upstairs. Because, I mean, you look at the heavyweight division, man, and, and you can't really tell. There's maybe a few guys that are, um, you know what I mean, as athletic as I am and have all the, the gifts, the natural gifts that they need, you know, and, I've been in the game long enough now to where I have um, the fight IQ as well to go along with it. Um, so what's been kind of adhering me from reaching the top of the top, you know what I mean, the cream of the crop. And, and really it's not because I'm not big enough. It's not because I'm not fast enough. It's not because I'm not athletic enough or smart enough or whatever the case to me. It's just, it was, it was here, it was all here, you know? And so that's one thing I've been working on a lot and I don't think I would have gotten – I think I would have done what I needed to do if it wasn't for all the things that transpired um, in that Arlowski fight. What was the full extent? Like, did you have to get surgery then for your knee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, uh, I had um, um, what they call a bucket handle tear in my meniscus, which is the worst tear you can get. It's a complete tear all the way through. And so what happens with that meniscus is um, – it sits in between your tibia and your fibula or your tib and your femur. And when your knee bends um, and that, that, and that, that, that tendon's torn, it'll flap over and get caught. And that's what happened before a fight. It, it, it got caught. My knee popped and I got caught. And so my, the ligament in my knee was literally stuck between um, my, my femur and my, and my uh, shin bone. And then I also had 25% of my ACL was torn. And then um, I had some floating cartilage behind my uh, patella, which was a which is a kneecap. And so um, <laughs> the doctor was like, "You shouldn't even been walking, much less fighting." <laughs> but you know what you're gonna do? You know what I mean? You can't just be like, "Hey, 
I know I'm like up next, but I can't fight. You know what I mean? They already had a fight pull out, and I got bumped up to the co-main event, and you know, it just is what it is. You know, so um, it's a blessing in disguise, really. Just, you like four months after, like, is it already fully healed then? Because that's pretty a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, I mean, we just had a meniscectomy, so you don't technically need your meniscus. Um, your meniscus doesn't uh, affect your stability like your MCL, your ACL, and yeah. all that does. But what it does do is it, it affects your mobility and your range of motion in that knee, and it's just fucking extremely painful. So, um, you know, how to get how do you have surgery? Because, like I said, it was. If it had been just like a partial tear, I mean, maybe a little bit different, but it was a complete tear. So they went ahead and removed that. So we had like a six-week turnaround and just getting back in the gym and how to start building up all the atrophy that had occurred. Because I lost 25% of my quad prior to the fight just because we were dealing with that injury. And so, yeah, everything happens for a reason, man. I see the Sanford logo back there. Are you out in Florida there? Yeah, yeah, man. I switched gyms. Isn't this gym freaking amazing, huh? Yeah, that looks nice. Oh, yeah. It's, look at this. We got to – let me show you. And, and you're in South Florida, man. It's beautiful right by the beach. Look, we got a barber shop in our gym. Look Comes look in on Tuesdays because of her lounge. Look, yeah. See all that? Uh, yeah. and look, look at this. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me, uh, how do I switch the camera? Can I do it? Switch the view? Uh, on your phone, you should be able to just click the camera. If not, you can just turn your phone around. Oh, oh. there you go. Look, look at this. Wait, now that's massive. Yeah. Isn't that nice? That's that's one of the nicest gyms I've seen. Uh, it's crazy, bro. This gym is immaculate. I mean, you got everything you need. So uh, down here, look, I'll show you. This is like it's like episode MTV MTV yeah. cribs. Look. look, this is a look. This is the uh, the PT room. So they've been like getting me all held up in here. You see. And then um, come back here. What's up, Joe? That's Joe. That's one of the therapists. What's up? We got a we got like a an episode going on right now. And then um, and then come in here in the recovery room. And so, I mean, you got like everything you could everything you could think of, man. It's here at our disposal. So. It's nice, man. It's real nice. Uh, on to your fight. Like, you've already prepared for Parker Porter once. So, like, what is kind of training camp? Is it just more fine-tuning things you already worked on? Well, I'm in a different camp now. So, like, different strategies come with through. You know what I mean? You have different coaches. And it's just um, – but, I mean, for me, the game plan is still kind of the same. I mean, it doesn't change in that sense. But the coaches here really kind of, like, they understand that – we're professional athletes, and so they expect to do what we need to do to make sure we help us, like you said, fine-tune 
doing the gameplay, you know what I mean? Here, because uh, they have something to work with, but um, yeah, so we're actually about to get started here in a little bit. Just just a few more questions. Yeah. How do you see the fight playing out? Yeah. Uh, what are you saying? Uh, just a few more things. Did How do you say? see this fight playing out? Uh, with my hand being raised and then that's the only way that it's going to play out. If you get your hand raised, to Rodrigo. If huh? you would, if you would hear, like, is there anyone you want next? Yeah, it's, it's Rodrigo. He keeps calling me out. He's been calling me out for a, a year. Yeah. Now. Yeah, he's been, so I, I don't know really what I ever did to that guy, but if he wants it, he can get it, you know. Are you kind of expecting to knock out Parker? Because Parker's a guy that's been knocked out before, but he has been a bit more durable lately. I mean, I don't know, man. I, uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, I mean, I, I, I just, I want to win. You know what I mean? I'm not going in there looking for the knockout per se, but I, I do believe I'm going to finish him. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, I do believe that. I mean, I don't know what round, but I do believe I would finish him. I think I, 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 mean, I have some of the best hands in the heavyweight division. So, um, yeah. Uh, look at the resume, man. So, I think 16 wins, 15 of them are by knockout, 14 in the first round. So, the resume kind of speaks for itself. Just last question, you like that Rodrigo fight? Are you hoping you can get it in before the end of the year? You probably think it's yeah, the last yeah. Year. No, no, no. We're gonna get it in before the end of the year. We're gonna um, hopefully maybe get on that uh, MSG card in November. Yeah, November sixth. That'd be a great date. Right before the Our, birthday. I've never fought there, man. I, I feel like I have to make that happen. It has to happen. All right, well, Chase, I appreciate the time as always. Thanks for doing this. All right, brother, to you. Yeah. All right, we're joined by UFC bandweight Brian Kelleher. It was fine. I guess he's dropping back down to bandweight again. Brian, how's it going? Good, doing great. Yeah, um, uh, not looking forward to going back down yeah. to 135 again, but, you know, I got plenty of time, so. Um, this is obviously, to me, I didn't think this is going to be your opponent. I know you and Domingo Pilarde were matched up against each other. Are you surprised this is who you were fighting? Because you were supposed to fight him back at UFC 230 in New York. Yeah, it was kind of a little bit of a surprise. But you know what? I'm coming off a loss. Uh, you know, the UFC tends to do that. It's like when you come off a loss, they, they give you someone a little bit lower down the rankings. And, uh, you know, it, it, it somewhat makes sense because we were matched up in the past and, and an injury stopped that and and, and uh, pulled the fight for us. And I think he's, you know, he's been out for a while too right now. I think he had an injury uh, as of recent. And so, you know, I like the matchup. I think the UFC likes my style. I think they like me as a fighter. And uh, I think this is a good stylistic matchup for myself. And how much does it already help that you already kind of had a whole camp to prepare? Is that already kind of thrown out the window because that was like two, three years ago? 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even uh, apply that to this this camp now. I mean, it was so long ago. I honestly don't even remember exactly what I was doing at that point. But I do, you know, there there's specific things about a, a different style. The guy's a tall southpaw, so a lot of different uh, looks from those angles and, and different techniques that I could use against that kind of stance. With Domingo, like, what have you made of his run in the UFC? Like, he's technically 0-1-1, but that – or the no contest against Jerry Newsom, he got knocked out and it was overturned because of marijuana, which is dumb in its own right. But like, what have you kind of made of his uh, run in the UFC? You know, he's had a tough run so far, but that just goes to show that, you know, when someone's backs against the wall, that's usually when they come out their best. And that's what I'm expecting in this fight. You know, just like myself, you know, losing that last fight to Simon, um, kind of puts me in a position where, you know, it's, it's motivating. It's like, man, you know, you don't want to get two losses in a row. You want to get yourself right back into where the spot that you were at. And for Domingo, you know, he wants to keep his job in the UFC, I'm sure. So, you know, we're both motivated to get a big W here. And I think, uh, you know, that makes for excitement. Domingo is a guy too. Like, I don't know how he makes 135. Like he's a big dude. Like he's six foot. Like he's like the 74 inch reach advantage. He has like a 10 inch reach advantage on you. like, you fought tall guys for like Montel Jackson, Ode Osborne. It's like, how much are you looking back at those fights to kind of see what went right and what went wrong? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, those are two guys, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I fought that, you know, long guys are not easy guys to fight, you know, but the, the whole goal is to get inside and just be aggressive, forward pressure, be aggressive, you know, get inside. So I'm at my my range, you know, you, range control is a huge thing in these fights, you know, uh, pace and how the fight starts. But, you know, you look at those other fights, you try to take what you can. And, um, you know, Southpaw stance, uh, Domingo Pilarte is probably less of a wrestler, I would say, than, than uh, Jackson was, you know. Uh, but he has good jujitsu. He has some chokes, and you got to watch out for that with the long limbs. But uh, my plan, you know, is to just fight like me, you know, heavy forward pressure, uh, put the power punches out there, and uh, get in his face, you know, make it uncomfortable for him and put that pressure on him. I think watching some of his fights, uh, he doesn't deal with pressure really well. So I think that's a good thing for me. This is his first fight since February of 2020. So it'll be like about a year and a half layoff. Like, but just kind of like two parts. Like, how do you kind of train for that? Because you don't really know what he's going to look like after like a year and a half off. But like on the flip side, like how do you think that's going to affect him not being in the cage for a year and a half? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really worried about him. You know, that could affect him. It could not. But like you said, you, you know, you don't know what to expect uh, that long of a layoff, you know. For me, I just look at it as, you know, I don't even pay attention to that stuff. I'm just fighting a motivated guy that's a tall southpaw that, you know, has, has good striking, good jujitsu, and and that's all I really look at. And I just want to go in and implement my skills and, and kind of impose my will. And I, that's what I like to focus on in my camps more is uh, what am I going to do rather than what does my opponent do well? Just because when you get in there and fight, man, like, sometimes people do different things that they didn't do in prior fights and you don't want to be surprised. You want to just be ready for everything. So that's how I approach it. You're someone throughout your career, like after a loss, like you've rebounded very good. Like a lot of times you finish those opponents. Like what kind of changes for you after loss? Like, is it just like a mindset thing or is it just like you kind of, you know, your back sense wall and you got to go out there and get a win. Yeah, it's something it gives me this chip on my shoulder, man, because losing is honestly, it, it, it's a, it, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, in retrospect, you look back, it, it sucks when it happens, but what you see come of it is a whole different animal. You know, I, I think it motivates me. Uh, it, it gets me fired up. It makes me feel like, you know, 
I have so much more potential than, than I displayed in that, that fight. And, um, it just makes me want to train harder and, and really just perform better. You know, um, I got a cut early on in that fight in my, right here above my eye and, and, and it affected me. You know, I, I was thrown off. I was, I went into survival mode. I no longer had that, that killer instinct in me that I, that I usually have. And that was my learning experience from that, you know, to just be unfazed and um, take a lot from that and bring it into this fight. You know, I'm coming in this fight aggressive, like trying to finish this fight and make a statement, not, not for anybody else, but myself back at the apex like smaller octagon the no fans like you've already done it before so like uh, do you think that's going to play much of a factor in the fight because this is domingo's going to be his first time doing it other than the contender series yeah you know the contender series is pretty good experience for it pretty quiet eerie you know arena and there's probably more fans there actually than there is at the apex uh now they have a little bit of people there but i think you know i'm used to that i you know i i wish i had fans i miss the fans and uh just watching on tv it really uh makes me uh fired up because i feel like i feed off the crowd but i'm also not one of those guys that like when i fight in in, in the apex that it affects me in a negative way i kind of like it takes off the edge you know, it's, it's kind of like sparring. You're in the gym. I, I stay calm and I just approach it like any other fight. I mean, you can't let those things affect you because those are things you can't control. So I go in there and, and, and I perform whether there's fans or not, but I do miss the fans. How do you yourself get in the win? Because you're a guy that you, when you win, like most of the time it is by stoppage. Yeah, you know, it, I, I'm either TKOing guys or, or KOing guys or submitting guys. I mean, I'm not much of a decision fighter myself. Every once in a while, it happens when you fight someone that just doesn't go away. And and uh, but I I always see a finish. You know, I, I I always look for the kill. It's just the way that I fight. You know, it's like once I the way I fight is once I get touched a couple times in the fight, I come alive. I get more and more aggressive as the fight goes on. And honestly, like most most of the time, my third round's my best round. And uh, I just want to put the pressure on and just let go of all my potential. You know, I think sometimes you go in these fights and, and, and you leave there and you feel like there's so much more I have in me. And, and in this fight, my main goal is to leave the cage and feel like I left it all in there. You get your hand raised here. Like, what do you think a win does for you? Because for me on the outside looking in, like, I think you beat Domingo. I just think you're right back to where you were when you're fighting like Stamen and Simone, like guys like that. Yeah, that's how I look at it. I think the UFC looks at it the same way. You know, they kind of just want to see, okay, where's this guy at? Let's let's give him a newer guy that was seeing where he's at as well because he's not, you know, he doesn't have a lot of wins in the UFC right now. They're trying to figure out like who's here for keeps type of thing. And and if I get another win, they know I'm still here. I still belong. And, you know, I just, I lose to a lot of the, the, the better guys in the division, you know, tough fights, but uh, I'm willing to fight anybody. And I, you know, I go in and get a big finish against this guy. I call out a name and the UFC likes that, you know, you have someone in mind and usually you get what you ask for. Yeah. You're someone that likes to call someone like, so is there already a name mind or is that, do you start thinking that more on like fight week of seeing what kind of makes sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to I try to be cerebral about it and have a good plan. You know, it's tough too because you go in the fight, you have adrenaline, and you kind of like forget, you know, what what the hell you were thinking of before the fight. But usually, I, I have a good grip on things after the fight. Like, oh yeah, like I wanted to say this. Uh, you know, of course, I want the O'Malley fight. Who doesn't? You know, everybody in the bantamweight division is calling for that. I feel if he lost that fight, I'd have a better chance at it. I think the UFC is going to try to give him a, a step up now. But hey, if I go out and I put on a great performance and finish this guy and call out O'Malley and try to fight him at MSG in November, 
That would be great. I mean, I'm, what I'm calling for though, for sure, is to fight in New York in the MSG in November. That's like my whole. That's my whole plan, and that's what I hope for. Yeah, that's kind of what I want to touch on. Like, I know it's not officially announced, but like all signs point to MSG in November. That's everything I've heard. Every fighter's kind of heard that. So the plan then get a quick finish and turn right around because I know you're a guy that likes to be active. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually like I'm upset that I had to wait so long to fight again. To be honest, like August 21st feels like so far away right now uh i you know i'm not a guy that really gets out of camp or or goes on vacations and takes time off and then resets like i do lower the intensity and i kind of pick it up as i go but i'm always in the gym i've been sparring for the last five six weeks you know and and just in case something came up and i'm that type of guy i want to be able to kind of take an opportunity if, if it presents itself so yeah i i want to stay active i fight this fight august 21st you know, September, October, November, that's kind of realistic. Every three months or so we get in there, but I'm always going to be ready for a short notice opportunity if it comes about. Weight-wise, I don't know, 45, yes. You know, I'll, I'll step right in there on, on 10 days. You know, weight, it's getting harder and harder. I'm getting a little bit heavier and heavier as I get older, but uh, I always want to be ready to, to take a fight, you know? Do you think you'll ever be – like featherweight only or do you think you're just a bit too small for it to be like a true featherweight all the time that's the thing like my weight weight wise i could be a featherweight if i really wanted to but like frame and reach and size compared to these other featherweights like i just don't belong there you know bantam even there's some bantamweights that are that are bigger than me frame wise so like i just don't see myself moving up unless i absolutely have to but i could tell you that doing all the right things for, you know, however long it's been five weeks, six weeks, it's still a battle for me to get into striking range to make Bantamweight comfortably. So I'm one of those guys that like, I, I panic about the weight cuts. I don't really like it. You know, I wish we didn't have to, to deal with that stuff and just fight at our hundred percent best. But uh, yeah, I, I don't see myself being a 45er. Uh, just a couple more things. I know when uh, Smolko got out of the O'Malley fight. You and a lot of other bandmates kind of threw your hat the rig. Was there ever any like, were you ever on that? Because he said on his like Twitch stream that there was like ten people on a list that the UFC had him. Like, did you ever get notified that you might be fighting him? Yeah, it was a weird situation, right? Because I was watching what he was saying, and a lot of what he was saying was like. Yeah, you know, I, I understand a lot of bantamweights are not going to be able to make 135 in nine days notice, but I want to fight. I'm, I'm down to fight at 45 if it presents itself. So I, I saw that and I'm like, oh, like I'm in for 45, 100%. Like, then I get a text from my manager. He's like, can you make weight for the O'Malley fight? And I'm thinking like 45 is fine, you know? So I said, yeah, like I can't do 35. Like I'm 159 pounds, 160 pounds. Like I could do 45, 100%. And uh, he's like, no, they wanted they wanted that bantamweight. So for me, I think what happened was O'Malley said those things, but then told the UFC like, I want to stay at bantamweight if possible. And so they went out and seek the best possible opponent for him for bantamweight. So that you know, which I understand, he's at the peak of his camp. He wants to make the weight that he's prepared to make. So. I get it. You know, I don't fault him for that, but uh, it's just like you say that you're down for this and, and you mention all these names, but then you're really not trying to do the 45 thing. But it's like crazy how big of a star he is. Cause I had some of like my friends over at my house to watch the fight. And like, there's a couple of them that watch most UFC cards, a couple that are like bare casuals. They only knew that McGregor was fighting in O'Malley. Like that's it. I'm like, I don't even get how O'Malley's already on that level of, Oh, they know he's fighting. Like they were texting, they're like, "Oh, is O'Malley on Connor's card? Like I want to watch him fight." Which is 
just crazy because he hasn't even really fought like anyone in the top 15. He's already that like hyped up. Yeah, man, he has that aura about him. You know, it's a business and he's got that, you know, he's got a weird, he's skinny guy. He's got a goofy look to him. You know, he's got a personality. He's got his old podcast and everything, but he has a big following. He has, you know, a million plus followers and he's on Twitch. He's gaming. He's interacting with his fans. I think that, you know, that helps a lot, you know, and, and people like to follow, you know, he smokes weed and people can relate to that and they they follow him and want to see him fight. He's got a good, exciting style. He knocks guys out. So there's a lot to him. And I think all the Bantamweights, they understand that. Like this is, you know, what's the best fight to get in the Bantamweight division to build your your brand besides winning a title? And that's O'Malley right now. So, you know, everybody's looking for that fight who's not within striking range for a title. So I get it, man. That's that's just the way it is. You know, props to him for that. But uh, I'd love to see him really tested, you know, really, really someone who's willing to get in his face and, and throw enough to gain respect, you know, not just be a zombie uh, like that Mutino guy who I respect a lot for staying in there, but he just took punishment, you know, the whole entire time. Do you think that's a fight that will ever happen, you and O'Malley? I think it's definitely possible. I just, I, I'm going to keep chirping at the bit because, you know, I, I want it to stay alive, but uh, I think at this point I have to win a couple of big fights for it to really happen because I think that he's in a position to kind of call his shots. I think the UFC works with him directly and they kind of give him, Hey, these are your options. What do you like? What do you want to do? Not everyone gets that treatment, you know, but, but I think he does. And so he has the, uh, you know, he has the controller in his hand and he's, he's in control to play the game and pick the character he wants. So um, I think if I keep chirping, I win a couple of big fights. it, It could happen for sure. Uh, just last thing, you obviously do a lot of breakdowns in your YouTube channel, which is, I think a lot of people need to tune in for those. Like, why'd you kind of start doing that? Because they are very good and technical. Yeah, no, I just, I, I'm a big fan of the sport. Uh, you know, I, I love, you know, talking about the fights and watching the fights. I really don't miss the, miss any cards. So I figured... Why not get on the bowl and, and try to, you know, exact like in between training too is like it gets it gets monotonous and you get bored and you're thinking, what can I do in between to pass the time? So that was something I thought of. And I, you know, I see the media doing it and I, I enjoy watching all the media do it. So I was like, why not give the fighters perspective? You know, someone who actually goes in there and does it, why not have my own little thing? I do have to stay more consistent with it, I'll say. I kind of jump in and out and, and do it when I feel like doing it. But uh, I got to get on it more because, you know, one day fighting's going to be over and I hope to kind of be able to stay in the sport in some area. And I think that's a, a good area for me. Uh, just one other thing. I know you're a big Islanders fan. What do you think of their kind of run in the, fi- in the playoffs? Man, they're always breaking our hearts like this, you know, like they get all the way to the end and then something happens. I really thought this was the year and it would have been amazing if it was because it was the last year they play at the Coliseum. Uh, that place was crazy rocking over there. And um, I know they're moving to a different arena. So it's like a reset, you know, a whole new uh, vibe. But uh, I was just hoping that they can get it done this year. Tampa, it, you know, defending Stanley Cup champions, not an easy team to get by. So uh, I thought they played awesome, though. I thought it was exciting. Uh, they they gave Tampa their hardest series, in my opinion. You know, Tampa kind of ran through Montreal after that. So uh, it was upsetting, but I'm excited to see what next season brings. I actually think the Islanders have a good shot next year because, obviously, Tampa, they're going to lose a lot of players. They're going to take a step back. 
And out of the East, like I think the Islanders are kind of the next best team, or I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the finals next year. Yeah, me neither. I mean, they have a solid foundation right now. They have a really good coach. I think they all kind of know each other now. They're 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 where they need to be to be a you know a champion team. Uh, just a couple of things here and there. Maybe they lose a player, they gain a player, but I don't think I don't think the lineup's gonna change too much. So I think they have a good shot. All right. Well, Brian, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. We're joined by UFC lightweight Vince Pichel, who's finally back in action. Vince, how's it going? What's up, man? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing well. Obviously, it's been about a year since we last saw you. Like, what kind of was the reason for the long way off? Uh, well, a couple of things. <laughs> um, after my fight with uh, Jim Miller, I had a little bit of a uh, bone bruise in my, in my leg from a couple of kicks that I had thrown. So I was healing from that. And then in November of last year, I had gotten sick with COVID, so uh, that put me kind of, that kind of ruined my November. It took me about a month to get a clean test, a negative test, so I can come back to training and, and be okay. So I did that. I went back to training in December, and uh, in December when I went back to training, a lot of guys uh, hadn't returned, and they basically told me that we're going we're gonna to kind of just wait till this blows over a little bit, and uh, I was like, shit, I can't do that, so... I was kind of forced to make a life decision, and I uh, moved myself up here to uh, Denver, Colorado. So I live up in Denver, Colorado now, and I'm training over at Factory X. Uh, yeah, that's really what I was just about to say. I saw the X. I was wondering if you were out there. Yeah, so I'm over at Factory X, uh, training over at Mark Montoya and his coaching staff and all the guys here. And uh, it's been a good change for me. I really like it a lot here. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a good reinvigoration of me, and... Uh, uh, in, in fighting, you know what I mean? Because I've been fighting for a long, I've been fighting my whole life, right? Professionally since 09, but it, I, I feel like I get kind of burnt out on it sometimes, you know what I mean? Just like anyone else does. So being around all these younger guys who are hungry and looking for fights and, you know what I mean, still hungry, kind of reinvigorates me and, and puts that hunger in me. So uh, I, it's it's been nothing but good so far. I love it. Yeah, because you were out in uh, California, weren't you doing it? You were doing, were you at still at Big John's last, for your last fight? Yeah, I was in California. I was training uh, with my old uh, head coach, Brian Peterson, at Peterson's Grapplers. Um, I was training at City of Thong with uh, Walter Bukowski. Um, I was training at Muscle Farm, Jason Manley. I was training at Street Sword with my buddy Drew Sklod. Um, Where else was I training? Uh, I was training with my kickboxing coach, Pete, at his house. or taking him to PG and using the mats there in training. So I was kind of all over the place there. And, and over here, it's, it's a one-stop shop again, which is, which is where I actually started training as. When I first started training, I started training at Big John McCarthy's, and it was it was a one-stop shop. It was a big gym like this. It was like thirty thousand square feet or something crazy. So, if it, it, it's almost like I'm 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 starting fighting again to me a yeah. little bit, you know what I mean? It's 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 I'm falling in love again with it, and it's amazing. I love it. How much better is training because you don't have to, especially at Factory X, you don't have to worry about working with any featherweights, lightweights, welterweights. Like they got a ton of them. Yeah, uh, there's honestly there's. There's no shortage of partners here. And um, I think there's like 20 guys here that are UFC guys or, or you know what I mean, the, the higher, higher echelon guys. And then there's like another 20, 30 guys who are, who are right there at that level, you know what I mean, if they're if not there yet already, you know what I mean, just, just haven't had the opportunity yet. So there's a really good team here, a really strong team. The coaching is really good. I really, I really get along well with Mark Montoya. Um, a lot of the stuff that he, uh, the mindsets, me and him, the mindsets match very well. So it, it's a good, it's a good, I don't want to say change of pace because it's not really a change of pace, but it's a good 
fit for home for me. It's a good home fit for me. And then you're have to come back against Austin Hubbard. Like, are you surprised that's your opponent, especially if you're beating Jim Miller? I thought it would have been a, another well-known name. Uh, no, not really. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not one of these, I'm not like these top 10 fighters that are like, oh, I'm not going to fight you. Who are you? You know what I mean? Like, I'm a fighter. Someone wants to, someone wants to step up, I'm going to smack it back down. You know what I mean? So that, that's just how I am. Um, Austin, he's a dangerous guy. He, he could beat me just like anybody else can. You know what I mean? Is he going to? Am I going to let him? Fuck no. I'm, gonna, I'm planning on whooping his ass, right? But it's, it's the fight game and, and anything can happen. So I'm not really looking past him. I'm not, I'm not underestimating him at all. When I go, he's going to get the same me that anyone else gets. He's going to get the same me that Jim Miller got. So he, he's, I'm, I'm assuming, I, I assume he's going to be ready for me. So I'm going to be ready for him. We'll see how it goes. How much do you know about him? Because he's a guy out there at Elevation in Denver. So I'm sure probably some of the guys in Factory kind of know of him. Yeah, it's kind of funny. He actually, like, I didn't really know who he was at first. And when I found out, I was like, okay, cool, Austin Hubbard. And then when I went to the gym, everyone's like, you're fighting Austin? And I was like, you know him? Like, he trains at Elevation. He used to train here. So I was like, oh, shit, he used to train here. But, like, I don't know. All, all that, that's kind of like, that's like selling circle bullshit to me, right? Like, I don't care about any of that drama or what happened yeah. before. Like, as, I've got, I got I to gotta take him out and he's got to deal with me. So that's, that's the way I look at it. He, he's a very durable guy. Like Marco Madsen, who's a dominant wrestler, couldn't finish him. Like he did get submitted against Joe Selecki, but other than that, he's been very uh, durable. Like, is this fight you think is probably going to go the distance? He's a tough guy to finish. I mean, I'm prepared to go the distance, but I'm not. I'm not going to fight like I want to go the distance. Um, he has fought some pretty decent guys, but I don't think he's fought anyone that can throw bricks like I can. Um, I don't. I don't, I don't imagine he'd be able to take too many shots from me and keep standing, you know what I mean? I'm not going to wrestle. I'm not going to grapple. I'm not going to give him that easy way out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat his ass. I'm going to make him a good dick in the fight, right? He's going to remember fighting me. He's a guy that's kind of known for his grappling. Like, uh, Joe Slucky just was able to out-grapple him, but do you think this is the fight he's going to try to take you down, try to out-grapple you, similar to Jim Miller, what Jim Miller tried to do? Oh, maybe, but it's like, if I'm totally honest with myself and everyone, He'll get me down, but he ain't going to keep me down. He's not going to have me in trouble, so I'm not too worried. If he gets me down, like kudos to him, he's going to get me down. But I'm going to pop right back up. He's not going to keep me down. I'm not going to be in any danger on the ground, so I'm not really worried at all. Um, I've grappled with the highest of, of black belts level, and I, I, I can hold my own, so I'm not really worried about someone like him. Like, yeah, I can, I can get caught, right? He could have some slick shit that I'm not ready for. I've never seen, but I don't know, man. That's I, 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 don't, see, I don't see him. I don't see I don't see him beating me in the grappling exchange either. How do you see yourself getting your hand raised then? I'm looking to shut his lights off, honestly. Like, I'm going to – I was already telling Coach, I don't want to fight for 15 minutes this time. I want to get in, beat this dude down, and get my money, get my bonus, and get the fuck out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm there to, I'm there to, to do my job and, and have a good time afterwards. So, that's my plan. Um, if it, Like I said, though, if it goes the full 15 minutes, it goes the full 15 minutes. I'm not worried about it. I'm conditioned for it. I'll be ready for it. Um, but I'm not looking to fight that long. <laughs> I'm looking to end it pretty quick if I can. Do you think your pace and like just your forward pressure is going to kind of put him into danger? Because you're a guy that you don't take a step back. Like You're always coming into their face. Yeah, a little bit. And he's that kind of guy too. So I'm kind of excited to see who, who uh, steps backwards first. I have a feeling it's going to be him because I, I, I have a feeling I'm going to be throwing the, the heavier of the, of the hands of us too. But uh, and I feel like my striking is going to be a little more 
a little more wild and elusive than he's going to be able to handle, right? I don't, I don't see him. I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm a little I'm a little too much for him everywhere in the skills department. But uh, we'll see because he's a very hard he's a he's a forward pressure kind of guy too. He likes to do that. So we'll see. You know what I mean? It's gonna it's, it's gonna be a fun booth fight, and you know, draw that line. We'll see who crosses it first. Well, what do you think a win over Austin does for you? Because lightweight division is so stacked and so deep. Just another notch under the belt, man. <laughs> just another win. Just another one on on that left side of my of my dash. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all about collecting the numbers on the left side, not the right side. So that's what I'm looking for. How much better do you think you're going to be come fight night, just having uh, training at Factory X, like getting all that training win, and, and especially at one place, especially Mark Montayo who comes up with these stellar game plans? I don't want to say so much that I'm going to be so much better of a fighter. Like, I'm already a very good fighter. I'm an intelligent yeah. fighter. I'm a very hard person to deal with in a fight. But I will say that I have been relying a little more on technique than I have just my my wild like fuck you here I come attitude and in this fight I'm looking to be I'm looking to, to lean more towards that way I'm looking to just to just be cock strong and headbutt that motherfucker if I have to you know what I mean like I'm just I'm coming full force if you get your Andres here like are you hoping at least one more break this streak in just one fight a year well I don't know like I, a lot of people say that shit to me you know, you know it's like you only fight once a year but and honestly, I only need to fight once a year. Like these other guys that that fight a lot, I don't I don't know what their deal is. But I fight I fight when I need to. You know what I mean? I, like I love fighting; it's my thing. But it's not something that I want to burn myself out on. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's kind of a big part of it. Like aside from life stuff, I've had a lot of life stuff that's happened that's kind of put me out and postponed me a little bit. But in all reality, I, I would like to fight twice, maybe three times a year. That would be like a good amount for me. So if I can get this fight done and, and not be injured, I'm looking to fight probably by the end of summer again. I want to fight right back to back right again. Well, I know too the one layup you had was due to the motorcycle accident, so it wasn't like anything you just not wanting to fight. Yeah, so it's not it's not nothing like me. I don't want to fight. Let me move over. There's jujitsu's going on around me. <laughs> it's, so it's not so much like I don't want to fight as it's like after a fight I. Uh, life happens and my life is very hectic and my life is very unpredictable the way the way that i live it so a lot of shit happens and like i've had injuries that have postponed me the last thing was just like covid that postponed me and then like having to move and you know what i mean do all deal with that kind of stuff but it's just stuff like that and then what i want to do is i don't want to like i'm not the kind of person that's just going to jump into a fight right away if i'm not prepared I want to be prepared and, you know what I mean? I, I talk to Shelby and I talk to guys and I let them know this kind of stuff. So I'm very upfront and honest with them. And they're like, you know what? It's cool. You, like, if, you're gonna, if that's how you want to do it, that's how you want to do it. You know what I mean? It's your career, so you do what you got to do. And so that's pretty cool. Of course, they want me to fight more and I'd love to fight more. And if I can, I will. But I've just had life stuff that's been kind of like pushing me to this one fight a year and kind of kind of holding me back a little bit. But... I'm looking to make a change, and, and things are looking a lot different than, than they were back then. So hopefully after this fight, I, I can get right back at it and, and start start hitting that again. Uh, back at the apex, like smaller octagon there. How do you think that's going to play factor in the fight? Yeah, no crowd, huh? Is still not going to be a crowd there? No, probably not. Uh, maybe like a couple like I fighters and celebrities. I don't mind it because I can hear his corner, and I could also hear the other guy squeal when I hit him, so... It's not too big of a deal. I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> Are you hoping the next fight's back in front of a full uh, capacity crowd for you? I'm pretty, I'm like, 
I really want to go back in front of a crowd. I'm excited to have a crowd because that energy is just unmatched. There's no other energy like a, like the crowd's roar and, and the kind of the kind of adrenaline dump or adrenaline spike that that can give you is just unmatched, right? It's like it's like doing all the best drugs at the same time and, and just enjoying yourself. Honestly, like to me, that is the best drug is, is that adrenaline that you get from just the energy and the feeling of being in the crowd. But I also don't mind not having a crowd because I feed off my own energy a lot, right? And and I'm very good at controlling my own adrenaline. So I, I can I'm actually got pretty good at spiking my own adrenaline when I need it. <laughs> I still can't believe you're 38. Like, you don't seem like someone that's up there. Like, how much longer do you think you've got? Because you seem like uh, a young 38. Yeah, a lot, of people, a lot of people don't think I'm 38 either. It's kind of funny. I honestly, like, just forgot about my age after a while. And I don't know. A lot of people ask me. And the only thing I can really say is, like, I'm just going to let my body determine when I, when I need to quit. And as of right now, it doesn't feel like it needs to. My body feels great. When I'm in here training with these guys, like all these guys are like the team here as a collective whole, the the average age of a team member here is like 22 or 23, I think. So all these guys are like super young. I'm, I'm 10 years older than everyone here. I'm 10 years older than the oldest guy that trains here. So it's like I'm the old dog, but no one would be able to tell that I'm the old dog in here because of how I am. You know what I mean? But uh, if I'm honest, I got really lucky with my parents and the genes. I, I, I just, if this was the movie Twins, I ended up like Arnold Schwarzenegger, man. Like, I got all the good genes from my parents, and I'm very blessed by it, and I, t- I take full advantage of it a little too much sometimes, but that's 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 the cornerstone of it, if I'm honest. It's my genes, man. I got super lucky with it. I'm a very lighthearted person. I like to have a lot of fun. I don't I don't like to stress or, or dwell on shit, you know what I mean? If something pisses me off, I get pissed. I let it pass and then I move on, right? I'm not that kind of person that let shit uh, just kind of dwell, uh, dwell me down. So maybe maybe that's part of it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, just last thing, like, do you not think part of the reason why you can fight longer is because of the layoffs? Like, they kind of are a good thing where you're not taking so much damage on your body through fights that you can go a bit longer? Uh, I mean, I could say yes and no because even if, even though I'm not I'm not fighting more than once a year probably right now, I'm in the gym every day. So the hard part is the gym training. It's not the fight. The fight's actually the easy part for the most part. You just end up banged up a lot after the fight because you're not wearing padding like you do at the gym. So, like, I'm I'm constantly training. So that's not really, like, I don't know. I don't feel like that's really a factor that that, uh, is going to slow me down because I've had people ask me about ring rust and whatnot, too. And, like, I don't know. I hate hate saying this because I feel like I'm talking too much, too much about myself, but... I'm not like a normal mixed martial artist. I'm, I grew up fighting in the streets. So like, I'm ready to fight like that. You know what I mean? Like a lot of guys will need like hours to warm up for a fight or do what they do. I hit pads for like five, 10 minutes in the back. I get my mindset for a fight and I walk out there ready, ready to go, man. So like, I'm always ready for a fight. I've, I've had to fight for my life. You know what I mean? Like I've had to fight for survival, like literally. So fighting, fighting another man with a referee isn't that big of a deal for me. All right, well, Vince, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, we're joined by UFC welterweight Ramiz Brahimah. Ramiz, how's it going, man? Pretty good, brother. How are you feeling? I'm doing well. Obviously, second UFC fight. Like, <clears throat> it, it's been a while. Obviously, I know you had to get the ear fixed, but was this a bit longer than you thought it would take for you to return? It was a little bit. 
Um, you know, I definitely wanted to be back in action as soon as possible, but I knew that uh, just the schedule was conflicting a little bit. So, for instance, I observed the month of Ramadan, so I had no 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 real issues with you know the the break. But I mean, I definitely would have loved to get back in a little bit sooner, but everything happens for a reason, so I'm not sweating it. Uh, I just want to quickly touch on your last fight. Like, obviously, Max Griffin, uh, we obviously see the streak he's on now. Like, can just knock everyone out, like, knock Carl's Con down. That fight, like, it was pretty competitive until the year. Like, what do you kind of take away from that fight? That absolutely belong in the UFC, you know, 100%. But to me, that's not enough, you know. Um, I've always known in my heart of hearts since I started MMA that I was going to get to the UFC and I was going to stay in the UFC. I was going to make the UFC my home 100% and then keep going, keep going, and then one day vie for a title, right? That's every fighter's dream. And 100%, that's still my dream. It's alive and well, and I'm going to make sure that I see it through and I make things happen. But, I mean, aside from that, man, I know it was a very competitive fight, a lot of back and forth in that fight. But like I said, man, I just, I'm ready to rebound and get better from it and uh, really show a lot of stuff, you know, to the fans that they've known me for, you know, for my finishing abilities. Now I feel that those finishing abilities are both on the feet and on the ground. So I just can't wait to show the fans, you know, who, who I am. Uh, just last thing on that, like, what was that kind of week after the fight? Is Because I'm sure you saw, like, that highlight of your ear was everywhere. Like, I had friends that don't even watch MMA that were like, <clears throat> they're like, this was just, like, this is gross. I can't believe this happened. Like, there was, like, it was reaching, like, outside the MMA bubble. No, yeah, it definitely did. It was uh, it was pretty crazy for me, too, you know, just to digest it, digest everything that happened. Because bear in mind, man, I had, uh, man, I've, I've done... God knows how many competitions, grappling, my pro and amateur career, sparring sessions, wrestling sessions, you name it, that nothing's ever happened. So I tell people all the time, for me, man, that was like one of the most 2020 things that happened in 2020 to me, you know? It was definitely crazy, but it just, it was a learning experience for me. And um, it just showed me that literally anything in that cage could happen, you know, any kind of injury, bone breaks, cuts. Uh, I mean, I saw a guy, what was it, like two weeks later, he lost his finger in a fight. Yeah. And I'm like, holy smokes, man. Like, dude, we, 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 we have a, fighters, we have a pretty tough job, man. Oh, is that like a worry or like that it might happen again or the doctors like stitch it all up and they don't think it's going to no, happen? They, they definitely took care of it. I mean, you know, the the possibility for anything happening yeah. the way that the doctor put it was the best. He said the possibility for anything happening. He said, I mean, you could have any kind of laceration or any kind of loss of eyesight, anything that could happen in a fight. He said, but I mean, the, 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 the possibility will always be there, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to happen. Hey, your opponent, uh, Sasha Palnikov, like, how much do you know about him? He had obviously a really good UFC debut against Louis Kosa, who was really hyped up. Then he got obviously submitted against Impa in his last fight. No, he's a tough guy, man. He's a guy that I look forward to fighting. He's uh, He always brings the fight, so that automatically draws my respect. But, um, you know, August 21st, we got, we got business to handle, and uh, I got a win to take. So that's what I got to do as soon as I step into that cage August 21st.
do you think on the outside to a lot of fans they're just going to view this as a grappler versus striker fight like they think yeah. you're going to want to take it down but i think your striking is underrated yeah it is underrated i mean man i i stood up with a with a guy who i mean i believe it or not whenever max was walking to the cage i was watching some of his highlights on the screen you know how they how they show the fighter yeah. highlights as they're walking out and i'm like damn this dude dro- stunned colby dropped him i mean you know max is one of those underrated fighters right he's had some very very close and and fights that really i feel even before the fight when i fought him should have went his way yeah you know so it's a little bit unfortunate that things happen but um yeah man i mean i look at myself as a mixed martial artist i'm not a grappler the only time i'm a grappler is when i do grappling tournaments right because i'm legitimately grappling people but i look at myself as a mixed martial artist you know in, in in this sport in mma and especially in the ufc you can't just you can't be fully one-dimensional, you know what I mean? Even as you saw, even with Khabib and a bunch of other fighters who they come from jiu-jitsu backgrounds, they start to develop a striking game like Gilbert Burns and all of these guys, and they start to develop pretty lethal striking, right? Where they could take care of people enough to set up their takedowns or actually put people away with their strikes. So I look at myself no differently. I'm a mixed martial artist. When I got into the sport, I mean, yeah, have a lot of finishes by submission, but it's not a knock on my style that I don't know how to strike with people. So, How do you see yourself winning? Because every single fight you win, you find the stoppage. <laughs> Man, I mean, it's just, it's, it's tough sometimes, you know, because, you know, you see the, you see the finish and you just take it, right? Um, but like I said, I see myself finishing uh, in any way, shape or form, knockout, submission, um, ground and pound, anything. You know, I'm, I'm I'm willing to take anything. I know the fight before I got signed in the UFC, I almost, uh, I actually did knock my opponent out standing up, but he fell on my shoulder, woke back up. So that was a pretty interesting sequence how that happened. And I was like, dang, I could have got a one-punch knockout, but it just wasn't my time to get it then. So who knows, man? Hopefully it might come this fight. How much uh, pressure is on you just to get, a first UFC win back in the win column and all that, or is there not any? Nah, there's never pressure. You know, even when I fought Max for my debut, there was no pressure. I, I just, I mean, for me, man, it's just I'm getting to do what I love. You know, I get to do what I absolutely love. Every day I wake up, I get to train, get to train my clients, get to be at the gym. I'm fully committed, you know, so there is no pressure. I get to go out there and I just, anytime I've ever fought with pressure early on in my career about, oh, I got to stay undefeated, I got to do this, I, bad things have always happened, you know, um, but whenever I realize that I don't put pressure on myself, I have great performances, man. Everybody has great performances, so there's no pressure on my end. Of course, you know, the normal, the normalities of fighting with, you know, oh yeah, I, I want to, I got to win, this, this, this. It's normal, it comes and goes, but as far as me really, really pressuring myself, nah, I don't believe in that. Your debut, like, that was obviously, you, you can't get much tougher unless you fight a top 15 guy in Max Kervin. So, like, how much do you think that's going to prepare you for Sash? Like, no offense to <clears throat> Sash, but I think Max Kervin's obviously a lot better than him and a better striker. So, like, you already saw that looks. So I don't think it's going to be any harder than your first fight. I mean, I tell people all the time, um, I'm so fortunate, man, that, you know, I got thrown right into the fire. That's exactly what I wanted. I didn't want an easy fight, especially for my debut. You know, even when I was getting ready to fight Takashi Sato on my debut, that wasn't going to be an easy fight either. Uh, Sasha's not an easy fight anyways, by no means. So the thing is, is fighting Max, for me, 
was such a good indicator as to that I belong here. Like I said, there's a lot of improvements. I did come from a, lo- a lengthy layoff prior to that fight. Mm-hmm. So for me, my main goal is get this win August 21st and keep the train moving, right? I want to keep going. I want to keep fighting. I want to get some more matchups. And uh, I just, I want to stay in the UFC. I want to stay and I, I want to make my run in the UFC. But as far as the experience that I've taken from the Max Griffin fight, oh, it was tremendous. It was tremendous. For me, it was absolutely tremendous. It was one of those fights that even early on in my career, I had some absolute bangers of fights, you know, in, in the LFA and the regional circuit. But that was definitely a fight that 100% grew me mentally, physically, in every way, shape, and form. So when people ask me, oh, my God, you know, wh- why did they give you such a hard fight or why did you accept such a such a hard fight? I was like, man, I was like, dude, you need to take those fights. They, they help you grow. You know, they help you grow. They, they make you better in turn. And I see it in my training. I see it in everything that I do, right? So it was one of those uh, necessities, right? It, it had to happen. Well, yeah, you even look at fighters on the regional scenes that – fight guys that are like 0 and 10 and then they get to the ufc and just get smoked like though you need those tough fights to even like ah, get i tell those guys all the time man it's it's easy and you know it too right yeah. because this this is what helps you you've been you've been watching mma for for quite some time right so this is the thing that i see unbeaten records don't always phase me you see what i'm saying and this is one of those things that a lot of people undermined when i fought max yeah he was on a two-fight losing streak but if you look at his last fight against Alex Oliveira before he started his streak, he, that was a very close fight. Just like his fight with Alessio when it went to split decision and, and a bunch of other fights that that guy's had. So sometimes people, they get too caught up in the records of being undefeated. And I'll see some of these guys in the contender series that they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 and 0, but they've never fought on a televised event, right? They've never fought for like, an LFA. They've never fought for like a cage warriors. So it's kind of hard to gauge their skill. You see what I'm saying? So at least with me, I know where I'm at. You know what I mean? I know that I didn't have it easy when I fought an LFA. I didn't, I'm not going to have it easy in the UFC. And that's the thing with me is I'm always prepared for these, for these challenges. hundred percent. Even in the Max Griffin fight, I was prepared for that challenge up until all that craziness happened with, I think like two minutes something left on the clock in the third round which even the third round was competitive but like i said it's just one of those things that it's it's, it's unpredictable you can never if you would have asked me hey is your ear gonna cut wide open in, in a mma fight You're like dude what are you smoking are you like you lost your mind so it's just one of those things man you just you can't predict it the smaller octagon at the apex like you think that impacts the fight at all uh kind of sort of but you know my goal is the same no matter if it's a big cage if it's a small cage i'm always going to press the action right so that's that's what i plan on doing man i plan on pressing the action and going out there having fun and getting the finish getting the win getting my hand raised and moving my chips forward i know with the apex now they're getting like a couple hundred fans so is that at least something or do you kind of zone out the crowd noise i've always zoned out the crowd you know i mean on occasion i'll feed off the crowd you know like with with a good position like top position if, if i'm on top of somebody raining ground and pound i'll get a little bit amped but usually i try to keep it as professional as possible uh the i always hear my corners so i mean i usually try to zone out the fans because if you get too caught up in the moment you'll lose yourself and then you could lose the fight as well right so i just to me it doesn't matter 
Uh, it's pretty hard not to hear safe though. That guy, like, yeah. <laughs> when like uh, COVID first hit, like when all the gyms were closed, I got him to send me like just a home workout thing and like a meal thing. And I'm like, this is insane. Like this guy just put me through everything. Oh yeah, he does. And he, he does the same thing to us in training. So, I mean, you know, people tell me all the time, they're, they're just now starting to hear how intense coach <laughs> is at the apex, right? But I tell people, I'm like, man, he's always had this about him since we were fighting regionally, since we were fighting, like we had guys fighting in the biggest freaking events, biggest arenas in the UFC. He's always been intense, man. He's always, always, always. And that's a style that I grew up with. And that's a style that I love. And until the day I stop fighting, I, I definitely want to have him as my chief corner. Oh, even like he was checking up on me like every two weeks, seeing if I was losing weight and stuff. And like I went from like 170 to like 159. He's like, you got hit 155. You got hit one. And he just like, like, I'm not even your fighter. And this guy's pushing me. Oh, yeah, man. He's he he definitely cares a lot about people. And um, he cares a lot about people's progression, too. So he's one of those dudes. I've never seen him half ass anything, anything, anything. Uh, who are the main guys you're working with? Because a lot of obviously a lot of high level bodies at Fortis. Oh man, Oof. tell me about it. I mean, I'm freaking beat up from last night. I still got rounds tonight, right? <laughs> so I've been working, of course, my longtime stablemate Jeff Neal. I love working with that dude. He's been he's been my ace, my 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 guy. I've been his guy too for a lot of camps. So Jeff Neal, been working a lot with Alex Morono as well. He's been coming in every week. Uh, Sada Wad, Abdul Kareem Al Sawadi. I've been working with Alonzo as well. Alonzo Menafield. He fights uh, November seventh against uh, Ed Herman. Ed Herman. Yeah, it's a good fight. And um, just uh, those have been my main main sparring partners. And another guy who's actually up and coming, Julius Holmes. Very very strong uh, welterweight. Fights welterweight one eighty five. He's even fought two hundred five. So. Man, I get to, I get to, I get the best. I, I don't say the best of both worlds. I guess the, I get the best of both of three worlds, man. Uh, just a couple more things. Like, I assume you want to stay pretty active, like get a quick turnaround if you went here, just because the long layoffs you kind of had lately. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, for me, of course, first and foremost, I will never overlook any opponent yeah. or any fight ever in my career, because it could be your last, or it could be just like a friggin' costly mistake, right? So, for me personally. I definitely want to handle business August 21st, take care of this guy, take care of the win, come home, probably take just about a week, week and a half off. And um, I know that they have a card in Abu Dhabi. Uh, October 30th. Or, yeah, Abu Dhabi or either MSG, man. I get to go see my family back in New York City in the Bronx and uh, get to celebrate another win, close the, close the year out with at least two wins. If I can get a third fight, man, that would be amazing, but... Of course, you know I don't want to. I don't want to get too greedy. I want to take things uh, one step at a time. Uh, just last thing, I know you're not a guy to really call anyone else at this point in your career. Is it just like whoever the UFC uh, gives you and just trying to build up that winning streak? Yeah, hundred percent. You know the reality is, man. I I, I, I listen. I have full faith in my skill set. I have full faith in everything that I do. I trust the process. I trust the journey. But the reality is right now, I'm in no standing to call anybody out. Yeah. So reality is I handle business August 21st, get another win. If they, if the UFC decides that maybe after my second one in the UFC, I'm two on one with the promotion, I resign a new contract, then we can start talking about other opponents. But as far as that goes right now, I'm just looking to take people out, right? That's it. 
I start taking people out, I'm going to get noticed. You know, I'm going to work my way up through the rankings and everything like that. But until then, man, I just, it's kind of pointless, right? I'm coming off of an L. I got to handle business August 21st. Once I get on a nice little streak, then I could start talking, right? Then you could peacock around a little bit. But until then, man, I haven't done much. So I just got to get this win, get a couple more wins under my belt, get on a good streak, and I'm going to make sure people know who I am. All right, well, Ramiz, I appreciate the time as always. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. Take care.